Welcome to this episode of Let's Chat. I'm your host, Chris Revel, coming from the Cat Cave in Providence, Rhode Island. As always, Let's Chat is a part of the Misfits Podcast Network. All podcasts on that network are available on themisfitsnetwork.com, and they're on Twitter at The Misfits Podcast. What a great guest we have today for you, Kip Clark. He is the host of the Stride and Saunter podcast. They have a website, strideandsaunter.com, iTunes, Stitcher, I feel weird to have to say where you find podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, that's where you find Stride and Saunter. Follow them on Twitter at stride n, like the letter n, saunter, and they're on Facebook as well. Stride and, uh, stride and Saunter's podcast is a conversational podcast in the vein of Ted, This American Life, and it's fucking awesome. I found these guys on Twitter. We start talking. I listened to uh, one of their episodes. Really liked it. I got to say, it's the most like an NPR show of all the podcasts that I listen to. Um, Kip puts a lot of fucking work into it, and it really shows, and it's fascinating. They have some great topics. I listened to one. It was about comedy, and then I listened to one about the Baltimore riots. But really, just awesome, awesome dude. I really interested in Kip's in college, and we talked... He kind of has like a story about like you know it's between college radio and starting a podcast and I I mean he's I think this guy's gonna this guy's gonna have a a future in broadcasting and possibly improv because we get a lot of good comedy improv talk and improv talking there so that's always a a blessing so big thanks for Kip for coming on I had so much fun as always this show is a part of the Misfits Podcast Network I uh, find all the wonderful shows on the Misfits Podcast. You know, you can find me on Twitter at Let's Chat Podcast, um, and there's a Facebook page, which is just facebook.com slash Let's Us Chat. Also, I have really cool news. I was recently a guest. It's already up on the Cynical Cartoons podcast. Tyler was fucking nice enough to have a, me on. And we, uh, so basically, we we're talking, and he wanted me to come on, and we we're going to talk about like a ridiculous 1990s cartoon. And I came up with the idea of Street Sharks. I don't know if anyone remembers Street Sharks. I remember not liking it when it aired. So we found it on YouTube, both watched it, and then talked about it. <laughs> Man, so much fun. I mean, this show is just a complete blatant ripoff of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They're just teenage mutant sharks. And the science doesn't hold up, which we joke about. Uh, Tyler was so cool. I He's going to be a guest on this show. We're making that happen, hopefully, in the... That should be up in the month or two, and I really hope to come back on his show because I think uh, the cynical car- cartoons is awesome. There's a bunch of episodes dedicated to Rick and Morty and BoJack Horseman, but the episode I started with would be um, Reboot. I don't know if you remember that show. That was an old CGI show. Uh, check out the episode I'm on. Even if you want to just be nice, download it. I don't care if you listen. Uh, check out Cynical Cartoons and check out Strident Saunter, even if it's not like an episode I'm on. Just just support these wonderful podcasts and this amazing community. I feel so it just it feels so great to be a part of. Uh so big thanks to Tyler, big thanks to Kip. And uh actually I have some cool news as the time goes out. I'll, I've just guested on about like four or five podcasts in the last month. So those should all be kind of rolling out. So that's really exciting for me. Uh wow, let's just get to it. Now I'm in the limelight cause I rhyme tight Time to get paid, blow up like the world trade Born sinner, the opposite of a winner Remember when I used to eat sardines for dinner Peace to Raw G, Brucey B, Kid Debris Funk, Master Flex, Love, Funk, Star, Ski I, I, uh, so I listened to a, uh, I think I've listened to a bunch of years And I was listening to um, 
I was very. Uh, well, we should start. You are for. You should probably tell people what podcast you're from and what, because I will screw it up. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, so I started Stride and Saunter, which is the podcast, back September of 2014 uh, with a college friend named Hector. He graduated this past May in 2015, and so. Another friend of mine, Caroline Borders, uh, and I are currently co-hosting together, although more recent episodes have been myself and a guest because towards the end of the year, she was very busy. Um, so I, I pre-recorded a lot of them because I knew summer was coming up and I wouldn't have a chance to record as much. Um, but yeah, conversational podcast, often shorter than I'd like them to be, like 20 to 30 minutes. I'd love to have more 30 to 40 minute ones, but uh yeah, covering various topics, trying to get thoughtful but not preachy, which I think is a fine line and very difficult. But, uh, yeah, you know, Google Stride and Saunter, you'll find it. Obviously, it's on iTunes and uh, Stitcher and other places. So, yeah, you know, it's a conversational podcast. I got to uh, give it up to you guys because your Baltimore Riots episode could have got definitely gone preachy, and you guys did not. And I really liked what you guys said. I was like, I it was thoughtful and well put and it was nice to hear people kind of just acknowledge privilege and be like you know maybe we're not this should be the spokesperson but here's my idea of this thing and uh i was on your side as well which you know when you listen to something and you agree with it you just tend to like it a lot more definitely yeah <laughs> i mean thank you for you know enjoying it which i guess is a weird thing to say because maybe we don't control whether we like things or not but it was one episode that on one hand i felt really had to be made or at least addressed in some capacity but at the same time I was equally as nervous about the response, but potentially. Yeah. Um, I think people. But think, yeah, it's. Isn't that like it'd be odd if you were like, there's, it's just a very odd thing because I think even like, it's so hard to word it. I think it's because it's such a very sensitive subject. Mm -hmm. uh, as being white men doesn't mean you don't have a voice though, because like, in fact, in fact, I think we want to have the people who are acknowledged privilege and maybe have empathy for those who are disenfranchised or oppressed. And uh, sometimes people are like, well, I'm just a white guy. I shouldn't have anything to say about Baltimore. I'm like, well, yes, because this is our country and this isn't just unique to Baltimore. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but I started off heavy. And, uh, and, and I've watched The Wire. I get it, guys. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, you know, just touching on, like, specifically Baltimore or, or racial things, to oversimplify grossly black people or other minorities who have been mistreated and there are countless groups under that umbrella are ideally and i think in many situations going to speak up for themselves you know there will be people that try and silence them people that don't listen but most people that are hurt or oppressed on any level or you know in any capacity will try and you know change that and i think it's kind of why it's important in my opinion for those who have the privilege or have rights that maybe they don't you know understand fully or take for granted to talk about it and not uh what's the word you know celebrate their privilege but acknowledge the situation and also acknowledge that they don't fully understand what it's like to be oppressed um yeah, oh, yeah. i don't know it, it's very tricky but i also you know you bring up sensitivity i think the making of the episode itself to me was a statement that you know yes it's a difficult topic i don't even think i'm going to handle it masterfully but just the action of talking about it i hope shows people you have to take a stab at it maybe you'll embarrass yourself maybe you'll offend some people but they can't fault you for trying to talk about something that of all the crap that people talk about on tv and stuff you know this is a is an issue that deserves conversation but i'm sorry for getting on the soapbox there 
Oh, that wasn't. Who was it? Your co-host that was from Baltimore. Am I correct in that? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Joe so Walsh was, it was a friend. Yes. Uh, or he was fascinating because hearing his parents living in the city of Baltimore be like, "No, it's not that bad," because yeah. you know, like like you guys, like everyone, I I saw the footage of a CVS being destroyed, and mm. I don't know why people were so sensitive to CVS in that moment. I'm like, I don't give a shit. It's a fucking CVS. <laughs> like, but yeah. you know, I, I you see that, and then uh, I think Larry Wilmore did a really great piece on it, and. Uh, uh, but like hearing like someone whose parents who lived in Baltimore are like, nope, hasn't affected us off. here. Like, yeah, it was just it was just interesting because like I, I agree, yeah. And then like I I knew someone who lived in uh, Cairo when that all happened when the uprising yeah, happened there. Yep. And they were telling me that they were in an internet cafe like reading, and one block over was everything happening. And where he was, it was just like night, you know. God. It was just the same thing, like night and day. Like you would, yeah. you would, he didn't know what was going on. He was just like, "What's happening?" Like he's yeah, looking it's... at Twitter. It's like I'm 20 feet from here. How come <laughs> I don't notice this? That's so. I mean, it's so surreal to think about. And I think you know, we, we look at the media and we think it's either representative or at least important enough, and that's why they're reporting on it. But yeah, it is amazing that people manage to, whether accidentally or not, just sort of dodge things like that. You hear about various you know near misses or you know trees that fell and almost hit people it's the coincidences in the world are astonishing i think that's oh, a great yeah. example and I, I know like um i i noticed like not getting too political but like i noticed that like uh i when i have convers i'm 30 so i'm kind of in this weird age of like i still know people in their 20s and then i also talk to people in their 40s like just through mm -hmm. work or whatever reason um i feel I actually i live in a city too so i get to, it's nice i get to a diversity of people um and i haven't met any democrats who are in their 40s who aren't really hip to the internet who support bernie sanders because they don't know who he is and mm -hmm. then i talked to everyone every millennial and maybe someone who is like a 40 year old who's still but like in tune to the internet yeah and they're like team bernie all the way and <laughs> blows my mind like i'll be talking the most left like the limit i like to call them limit uh, this one t i won't s refer to who i'm speaking but i call them a limousine liberal talking okay. about how great hillary clinton is and like you know you know who's a great candidate who actually was like oh i never heard of him i was like they don't talk about him on cnbc or msnbc mm -hmm. i was like oh yeah I'm like i'm 30 i don't fucking watch msnbc i i read the internet all day long and watch last week tonight that's how i know all these people <laughs> Yeah, yep. John Oliver is fantastic. I'm glad you brought him up. I love John Oliver. I, I gotta say, uh, well, I, there's I forgot who wrote an article, but they were talking about how his show has had impact where it's even uh, affected legislation and activism, and it's it's gone. Like I love the Daily Show, and I think yep. technically tonight the recording is John's last night. Yeah, it is. It is. And um, but uh, I I think Oliver was just like I think. I think that last week tonight should be shown in every sociology 101 class. That's a brilliant idea. Yeah. I agree. Like you could just watch. I, I I feel like all my professors should like I have one my, my one of my favorite professors would just watch that show and just like, well we're talking about we're talking about FIFA today. Let's watch John Oliver's piece on FIFA and then go farther with it. But like, mm -hmm. I feel like I know so much shit from watching that show. Yeah, I think. It's, I mean, it's so brilliant in so many ways. I think, first of all, he does comedy in a really smart way. And, of course, there are hundreds of comedians out there, plenty of whom touch on, you know, current things. But he picks things that people don't know a ton about. You know, they'd say, oh, yeah, taxes are bad. But John Oliver proves to us how really corrupt and cruel, you know, some of these systems are on a deep, dark level. And I think 
he handles it in a timely manner and he's articulate and you know of course his jokes and comparisons are hilarious and the you know the photoshop jobs that his team does are just (laughs) like the entire uh, believe me i have plans to make an episode of my show on why i love john oliver if people don't already watch him they will you know hopefully you have to the the best the best the best well two all right, there's no best because they're so great. <laughs> exactly. You can't pick. He just has too many – excuse my interruption, but, yeah, he has so oh, many yeah. wonderful episodes. Well, do you like – well, he has and, – and like a true comedian, he has all these callbacks. So mm-hmm. he'll do like hashtag not my Christian, and he always refers to <laughs> Christian Grey. Right. <laughs> In the middle of talking about like set bladder or like infrastructure or something like really heartbreaking. He'll like or then the the one of my favorite things is what they do is when they show a country, it's like here's like here's Yugoslavia. A country you thought of so little, that's not Yugoslavia. Yeah. Exactly. And there's that. <laughs> In fact, no, he, that's Australia. Like they just oh my they just fuck with you on such a good level of like Exactly. Oh, and they, I love it. I love they it. They pull that off a lot. They did the recent one on DC voting rights. Um, and, oh, you know, I did, yeah. Oh. Showing, showing a flag with, what was it, 51 stars. And said, you know, <laughs> think it's so upsetting. Most of you probably didn't even notice that there were 51 stars on this flag that we've been showing all the time. And it was just excellent work. And, you know, what a, and like, and that's what a, one of the things I, I, I'm a huge comedy fan. So, like, I, I love it as, on the comedic sense. And I love it as, like, a sociological standpoint. And then, but that was so great. He's like, people are going to, you know, people make these stupid ass arguments. Well, we gave DC stateship. We have to get a new flag. But in three seconds, he could explain. We showed you this all night, and you didn't notice. Right. Exactly. Like, yeah. Damn it, John. Damn it's it, a great John. Show. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. I there's nothing about it that I don't love. And then I've seen him on. God, I don't even know an ABC interview or something in the morning. One of those morning talk shows. Oh, uh, yeah. The, the the good one, Charlie something. Charlie Rose. Uh, no, because it wasn't a, it wasn't a single interview, and I do know Charlie Rose, and I have a lot of respect for him. This he's was, like uh, one of the good Sunday morning interviews that I, I, yeah. I really enjoy. Um, but this was sort of you know like multiple multiple individuals. They had coffee sitting around a table asking him about the show. I think it was maybe last summer. Um, asking him about his success, and he was so humble about it to the point that they were baffled and didn't know what to ask him. And I you know I sat there nodding to myself, thinking. There's someone who knows what success is. He's not going to you know, sit with it and just get content. He cares about what he's talking about. It shows. He's also, you know, he hasn't gotten arrogant despite tremendous success, and it's only going to grow. So, yeah, it just everything about John Oliver. He has I have a, a huge... podcast, too. I was just going to mention that, yeah. He... Which I don't think a lot of people ever knew about. Uh, the Bugle, yeah. is that what it's called? I believe so, yeah. It's the him Bungle? and another British man, I want to say. Yeah, um, and I only listened to it once. I really should listen to it again, but the Charlie Hesbo episode was like... Yep. I feel like when I want to know things now, I just kind of turn to John Oliver, what should I think? Not what should I think, but use your amazing accent to explain things to me. I don't <laughs> understand this at all. Yeah, okay, I just looked it up. It's the Bugle Podcast, so Bugle. you're right. Yeah, yeah, okay. Good for him. <laughs> yeah, and that's been on forever. Yep. Well, So one thing I, I, I... So I listened to your first episode today as well. Um, it's so interesting because when I'm, when I was in college, I wanted to start a radio show and there's no radio station. So me and this kid, Jose tried to start a radio station, never got our shit together. So it never happened. But like mm-hmm. you're, you're a little bit younger, I assume. Cause you're in I'm, college. Yeah, I know. I am in college. I'll be starting my senior year this fall. Awesome. Um, but you, uh, you can avoid starting, uh, like if I was in college and I was like, I want to make a radio show, I would start a podcast, not a radio show. Yeah. a podcast 
podcasts. I remember advocating for a podcast like six years ago at the school. They're like, what, what? Like, it's internet radio, and then people are like, but we can make it on the internet, and people could listen. I was like, no, you need to make stuff where people can listen to it on their own time, like, whenever exactly. they feel like. And, like, I mean, I'm, I hope radio station, college radio stations still exist and do well, but it's just so interesting now. Like, you could totally just make a podcast. You don't need, you don't need anyone. You just need a few bucks and the computer, which most Americans have. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so you say I'm a bit younger. I wish I had been a bit younger when I had started this show, only because, you know, as I think anyone who finds, like, whatever art form or whatever you want to call it that really resonates with them, they don't want to stop doing it. And I'm sure I've alienated and lost plenty of friends as a result of conversations that go, no, 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 something interesting. And then I say, ooh, we could do a really good podcast about that. And people are like, yeah, no, okay, Kip, like, sure we could. But yeah. <laughs> I just – it. I get such a kick out of having those conversations because I force myself to do a little bit of research and learn about the thing or to bring in someone who knows more than I do mm -hmm. and genuinely learn from them. And I, I don't know, I, <laughs> you're going to curse yourself for bringing up, you know, the school and the podcast cause I have so much to say about it, but I will oh, try perfect. and be concise. Um, so yeah, I just, I started it this year because Hector, as I think I said in the first episode, so this is you know old hat for you, but for our listeners in this show right now, uh, this friend of mine, Hector, called me last summer because he and I had met briefly in the previous year and had some good experiences, but very rarely. And then I left him a voicemail over the summer just saying, you know, it's great to meet you this year. I hope we continue talking to one another. You seem like a really cool guy. You know, I appreciate it. And then he called back and we had a conversation in the middle of which he said, yeah, Kip, I, I think we have a really good rapport, you know, a conversational sort of flow. Do you want to do a podcast with me when we get back to school? And I was like, uh, um, and like immediately I said yes for whatever reason. I don't think it was entirely out of courtesy because I hung up the phone and just thought to myself, like, this makes so much sense. This fits me. I love talking. I love, you know, ideally bringing in other people into the conversation. So we, we got back to school and fortunately – we have a wonderful uh, sound recording studio, which is why many of the episodes that were recorded at school have great sound quality. And that's kind of why I'm afraid to graduate. But in many ways, it was like a fifth class because I took four classes throughout the year. And, you know, I'm always working on either editing or, or doing something else for the show. You know, it was a blast to make the website, which I'm constantly thinking about making more aesthetically simple and pleasing. But, yeah, I mean, we have a radio station at school, and I think many of those kids get a decent amount of listenership, um, but probably in the low tens or twenties per show, because, you know, like you said, it's live, it's not on people's own time. And I think that's why podcasts have and will continue to succeed. Oh yeah. Uh, and yeah, I just, we didn't have a ton of listeners starting out. We still don't have as many as I would like. I'm not going to throw a number out there because I don't want to embarrass myself, but oh, it, it takes time. Yeah, for I sure. Mean, painstaking. And None of your friends are going to – it gets to the point when you start it, all your friends are into it, and then uh -huh. you, you're going to – at least I hit this lull like where I was like, huh, and then a whole new birth came to me. I was like, oh, all right. I don't think yeah. anyone I know listens to it anymore. It's just people – It's but they, they do. I mean my numbers have never been this high. I mean I'm like episode like in the 80s, and I'm like, yeah, I never expected this to happen. Yeah, no, I I mean, you're completely right. Yeah, you, you got to give it time, um, and you're definitely right about the friend thing too. I think definitely early on there was a, sort of a burst. And part of me wanted is maybe we should have done like the first 30 or so episodes and then released it and said, you know, yeah, we just started, but we already have 30 episodes up and seen if that would have worked differently because we started. No, because then you wouldn't be, it's, it's not as fun, man. It's just so yeah. fun to record and release as soon as you can. It's the best. No, that's fair. Yeah. It's the high. 
I agree. No, I, yeah, you're absolutely right. It definitely is a high. Um, you want to know some odd? I noticed the higher my numbers have gone, the less they meant anything to me. Interesting. Yeah, I get more of a kick out of this part of it than anything. Yeah, no, I mean, that makes sense. I guess one reason for me, and it's totally selfish, but a reason that I'd love the numbers to increase or even stay what they are, but I'd love this you know, following thing to really pull through, listener participation. I want people to suggest so topics. You know, it definitely is. Um, and yeah. it makes sense because, you know, okay, Kip, I'm on a run listening to your show. You want me to stop running, get on the internet, text you? Like, I, I'm not going to do it. It's not yeah. easy. It's not straightforward. So I understand. You're right. It's definitely, it is hard. It's going to yeah. continue to be hard, but... That's what I hope numbers yeah. at some point may bring. I think your numbers will, and and the more you do, the, what I um, I've had people on who had like bigger shows who I really liked looked up to, and they said like it just helped when you get to a point where you have a lot because then people have a lot to dig in in the past. Yeah, absolutely. So that was always helpful. Yeah, and getting on a network that that was probably the biggest thing you could do. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I don't know how you do it. I just <laughs> I'm on <laughs> one. I don't even know. It just kind of fell into my lap. Yeah, no, I, I definitely think, you know, it's something I have to keep my eyes out for. There's so many elements to, to keep track of and, and try yeah. and work on. And but, Twitter yeah. is the best. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, you know, I'll embarrass myself, but admit completely that I we made a Twitter account in September when we started the show. I didn't keep track of it. I didn't post. I didn't tweet. I didn't follow yeah. anyone. And then what this past June, you know, so like a month, two months ago, um yeah started using it you know found you and various other shows and it's helped it's helped a lot so yeah i mean it to, to, it gets to a point where you'll get guests that you'll never i had the writer from the daily show on here because of twitter like mind blow i never I and mean, i started this in my bedroom and like ne interviewing my friends and it just kind of took a life of its own mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's twitter is such a great tool it really is facebook sucks <laughs> right no as i've learned i i completely agree i think people for whatever reason, yeah, they're just, yeah, they're not, you know, they don't approach it in the same way. I don't give yeah, you, you as gotta much like time. you got to, like, pay money to get your post read. Yeah. So, like, you're like, well, all right, I made this post and three people saw it. But if I pay 5 to $50, like, 20000 could read it. It's like, I don't really want to spend any money. Right. There's another <laughs> service on this other site that will do it for free. Exactly. So I'm going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> so are you... You're, you're, so you're from this area. You're from the Northeast, too? Yeah, I was originally, let's see, born in St. Louis. I moved to Seattle at around four years old or a suburb of. And then, yeah, came to the Boston suburbs, Wellesley, Massachusetts, at age nine. Okay. Uh, and I'm now 21. So, yeah, we've lived here for a while. I could tell you're not originally from the Boston area because <laughs> you're the yeah, only person to say that you're, you're from the Boston area. Because everyone outside of Boston just says they're from Boston, even though they're nowhere near Boston. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm from Boston. Oh, really? Well, actually, I'm from Walpole. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, I mean, an interesting story, actually, or something comes to mind when I think of Rhode Island. My parents at one point were vacationing, I'm going to say, in the Bahamas somewhere. It's not necessarily important. And someone asked what state they were from, and this is when they were from Rhode Island. They said Rhode Island, and the person said, yeah, but what state? And I just... <laughs> I, I don't understand people sometimes. I get that geography is not well taught. You I mean think Long that's Island? Yeah, exactly. The people, yeah, they're completely confused. It's, yeah. I marvel, though. It's, it's Me fascinating. Too. I grew up in Connecticut, so then, like, I was in uh, maybe four years ago, I moved here, and I remember being, like, in New Jersey with someone. They're like, yeah, so you're in Long Island. It's like, no, Rhode Island. They're like, yeah, Long Island. It's like, no, Rhode Island, you know, family guy. They're like, oh, yeah. I was like, I mean, I, don't, I know it's not the most culturally relevant state, but, like, I know all 
I know all 50 states. Like, you know, yeah. if, so, if yeah. you told me you lived in, like, a state, I wouldn't be like, are you sure that Montana's real? <laughs> right. Yeah, it's... it's It kind of blows your mind. It's, uh, yeah. But what, you're you're in Wellesley, you said? Yes. From... Yeah. What is Are you Wellesley? familiar with it at all? I'm trying to think. What's in Wellesley? Is that there's a school there, right? Yeah. So actually, Hillary Clinton comes from Wellesley, uh, or not comes. From, excuse me. That was a huge, you know, uh, verbal mistake. She went to college in Wellesley. Yes. Uh, which uh, I guess is why I what school? It. Wellesley College, very very prominent. Uh, yeah, college, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it uh, bad that I'm thinking of a chick flick that I saw that takes place in their town? No. Uh, Mona Lisa smiles. <laughs> Probably a fair association to make. Um, yeah. <laughs> where's Brandeis? That's not Wellesley. No, Brandeis is nearby. Um, Waltham. Okay. Getting, yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. yeah. I, th- I feel. I feel like I must have been to this. T- I maybe I have. I don't recall. I've spent a good amount of time in the Boston region. Mm-hmm. Uh, lovely city. I, I like Boston. Yeah. yeah, Boston's nice. But you go to school in Ohio. Yes. So. <laughs> What's that like? I've driven through Ohio, and I remember thinking that Cleveland was surprisingly cool. Yeah, uh, it's every. I was like, you know, I gotta stop making fun of places. Everywhere's got good and bad. Yes, very true. Um, it's interesting. I will say, I applied to a ton of schools back in the day. You know, leaving high school and Kenyon, which is in Ohio, is you know one of the schools that I got into that really appealed to me. And part of me just said, you know what, it is literally out there. I've never been to Ohio. I think I should go to Ohio. It's far away. You know, just sort of the nature of doing something abnormal or different or whatever word you want to use for the sake of it is very much a me thing to do. Um, in fact, I visited various other schools on tours. I never toured Kenyon. I said, yes, I accept. You accepted me. Fine. I'll, I'll enroll there. I didn't tour it. And so, you know, when I got there, it was the first time that I'd seen the campus. Wow. Um, but yeah, Ohio's really interesting. Um, it's got a lot of forest, a lot of farm area. Um, and there are a few urban areas, but at least in my area of the state, which is sort of the central south region, kind of near Columbus, we're an hour away, there's just a lot of rural sprawl. Um, it is a very beautiful space. There's just open space everywhere, which is unlike a lot of you know areas oh, in Massachusetts. But yeah. it's, yeah, I mean, the first night I got there, I remember going for a run and just thinking how few houses I saw. It was just beautiful. So, yeah, I mean... Ohio's out there, but I also associate the drive to Ohio with school because I always drive from Massachusetts to Ohio, which oh, is God. about how long is that? Eleven or twelve hours. Unless how I'm many podcasts speeding. you listen to? <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, I switch between music and podcasts, so probably yeah. you know seven or eight. Um, yeah. Again, depends on the length of the show. I will say you you know talk about my show or whatever being better. You've got length on mine, and I I gotta say that in certain you know driving or traveling situations, I prefer one longer show to three shorter ones. It's just easier for me to just sort of relax and enjoy it. Um, but yeah, the drive's always great for that. I can't wait actually to drive back to school. Yeah. I save know, up stuff for weeks. that. Yeah. Yeah. I'll put fun. on like a Pete Holmes or a Joe Rogan, like you made it weird or a Joe Rogan experience if I'm doing yep. like a long trip. Yeah. The great shows. I remember driving to New York from Providence one time and, uh, I put out an episode of Pete Holmes. He made it weird. And I arrived to my friend's doorstep in Queens and it like ended on the exact second. It was a John Hamm episode, wow. so it was like it was a long, long episode, and it was like hmm, that was perfect. I mean, maybe it wasn't door to door, because I, but you know, enough where I had put it on while I was still in the in Rhode Island, so I was probably twenty minutes into the drive, but still, it was still like the whole all of Connecticut just disappeared. It was great. Yeah, that's a beautiful thing. It is. That's what the best thing about podcasts is. They just like 
They're so great. I just, I just, especially now. I'm, uh, I think the bar has been risen so highly since uh, Mr. Uh, President Obama was came on WTF. Yep. Like that yep. was. Yep. You know, I like felt like I wanted to vote for him again after I listened <laughs> to that. I really felt like I got to know him as like a man, and like I just, and I think Mark did such a great job, and I love WTF. And so inspired by that show, and it was just like, it felt like a win for everybody. We were like, yes, yes. I yeah, I think that's a great way of putting it. I mean, to sort of touch on why I think it makes complete sense that Obama did it, he, especially in you know, recent weeks and months, has just really engaged with the American people. I feel like there's more, you know, selfies and just like candid photos and videos and just moments of Barack Obama more than any president I can recall. And I recognize that we're living in an age that supports that with all of the media and stuff. But yeah, of course. He just seems so open. So yeah, it was. A thrill, but also not necessarily a surprise to see him on a really popular podcast. And I think you're absolutely right. It was a win for everyone. Um, well, we hit 10 years of podcasts uh, this summer at some yeah. point in late June, which, yeah, I think we're really hitting, especially, you know, thanks to Serial, I think can take a lot of yeah, credit. Yeah, that, that just, or, oof. Yeah. But you <laughs> know, mean, it's so great like to millions see. Millions of downloads. Yeah, I know. But you know, it's great to see that NPR was like, positioned themselves perfectly because they had the infrastructure and they jumped on the bandwagon and they are just i mean they are the reason because i love this american life and radio lab and all their shows and i listen to them in podcast form i don't listen to them on the radio rarely yeah unless uh, or like wait wait don't tell me like i listen to that every sunday like and it kind of has this nostalgia value of like when i was a kid when i would be like with my grandparents or my dad and my my grandparents had a summer home in like upstate new york and like there's no tv so we would like have a fire and listen to prairie home companion and uh there's something nice like you feel like this generation of like we just keep getting told that millennials like us are, have short attention spans and all we care about is twitter and and vine and short things and like are you kidding me i i will listen to a three-hour podcast like you know how engaged i am i listen to barack obama talk for a solid hour I've never heard a president talk for an hour because there's no audio recording of any president talking like that for an hour. Yeah. It's, no, I think I love it. it I, it's a great testament to what I think millennials or other people who listen to podcasts will do. And I think, you know, people tell me all the time or just in general talking about media, how engrossing video is. And I don't disagree, but I will say a podcast to me always feels like more of a partnership in a sense because you're not yeah. bombarding people with visuals, which isn't a bad thing inherently. But if you just give people audio, the brain will construct an image. If you're driving along, you know, whatever highway, you will be thinking or picturing something while people are talking about, let's say, you know, the Baltimore riots or Barack Obama talking about race. You will picture something. And I think that's, you know, sort of the participatory aspect of podcasts, which makes them fantastic. And it's also true of radio. So I'm not surprised they've taken off. I think they have so much potential. And, of course, there's so much creative energy out there for mystery shows and things that aren't just conversational that have a lot of production. And it's just it's a wonderful medium. I'm always learning from yourself and from others. So, yeah, it's just I don't know. I, I, I could gush every day about how great podcasts are. It's like music. There's just so many. You'll never know them all. Like, you yeah. just never you're never going to hear every song ever written, and you're never going to be able to listen to everyone's show. Mm -hmm. And Very it makes true. me so happy to know, because, like, that's, I don't know, it's great. Like, I love when I find a new podcast. And then I have the same, like, I mean, I've had Nerdist and WTF for maybe the last, like, three or four years, probably the last, like, four or five years. They've been my two that I, they're my go-to. And, like, I've, I've gone through so many, and I always have new ones I'm finding. 
but those are the two I've hit subscribe on. I just never have unsubscribed. Yeah. I feel like I know those people. I mean, I know I don't. Exactly. No, it, but it's such a beautiful phenomenon, and I think, you know, it's true of anything that you invest in that much time. I think it makes complete sense psychologically and otherwise that if you hear a person or see a person enough, you do get a sense from their behavior. Even if it's edited, you have just this unspoken understanding of a person. You're absolutely right. I think it's why, you know, fan meetups and other things like that are so cool because maybe one side doesn't know, you know, what their audience is like they've never met, but the audience has such a legitimate appreciation of who this person or what this group is about. It's, yeah, it's phenomenal. It's really exciting too because 100 years ago, technology didn't exist like this. So yeah. it's exciting to see how people have used it. It's amazing to see what the next generation will do with it. <laughs> yeah, no, amazing, you know, exciting, scary. It's it's a lot of things. I can't wait to see what they do. Do you think it's going to be uh, utilized in the 2016 election? I mean, if, if they're smart, like you'll see them on like Fresh Air or, or yeah. certain shows. I mean, not necessarily WTF, but like, I mean, every candidate could. I, I You know, this is just true. The Republican Party tends to be a little bit slower on technology. Yes. So, and that's just a generalization. So I wonder if you don't see that, but like, wouldn't it make sense? I mean, like, I don't think that Obama went to Mark's garage and wasn't like, and I'm sure, and you know, he had people listening, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm sure they have the final edit. So it's not like there's a risk factor. It's not live. Right. So like, it would just make so much sense to see Hillary, like, or Bernie or this Jeb or I don't know, the 16 people running, like. Yeah, there's, I mean, Rick Santorum, there's so many Ted Cruz, Yeah, even if yeah. I don't like him, I would still kind of want to, I don't know, I just want to hear you just talk. Like, what were you like in high school? What, what comedy do you listen to? Like, right. I, I don't know. It, it, I feel like any campaign manager who is young needs to, I think it's going to be, it will happen. It's just, I don't know. Do you think it will be this election that's going to happen? It's a good question. I would say it should. I think, it, you know, the infrastructure, if we're going to call it that, you know, digital infrastructure is definitely there. There are more than enough podcasts for these people to, you know, do it once a month and you could be on a different show every month. You know, let's let's talk about Hillary specifically. Hillary could go on a different show every month and that would be great for her. And I think, you know, you talk about high school and comedy and other things that humanize people. That's often what's missing in politics. Don't give me a 212 page bill. That's not real. That doesn't feel personal in any way i want to know the people behind it what are they like what do they really feel you know it's just political correctness is a really important thing to me and i think you know you should always be respectful but to a certain extent mm. you can't you can't trust certain you know uh speeches that people give and certain other things because they know that they're speaking to constituents or to a really large group of the public and one great thing about podcasts is that they are both niche but also broad reaching in their own way that it feels a bit more personal. Like you said, you feel like you know the person. And I'm sure nothing would be better for a candidate than to hear them say, yeah, I, you know, I listen to Hillary and I feel like I really know her. That would be, you know, she'd be over the moon. That's what they want. That's how they will win an election. And frankly, in my opinion, that's how they will win it, you know, justly. I don't want them to win because they had a large campaign budget. And I think, again, that's why podcasts make a lot of sense because you come off well if you are articulate and genuine and have good and interesting things to say not if you have a high production value i don't want to hear you know gun noises in the background i want to hear a candidate talk about who they are what they believe really whatever they want to talk about but as long as it's human and that's really why i think podcasts are so great because they are very social in their own way and i think it takes podcasters like you and i to really understand or listeners why it's not just a one-way thing so a long-winded answer but 
I I do think it'll be used. I think someone's going to make that move, and more power to them. I think the first person to do it will have a lot of success, and I hope others follow. I think it'd be fantastic. I mean, to me, it feels like no different than, uh, like, talk radio, which the Definitely. Uh, conservative movement, I don't know what you call these things, like the conservative side has always used very well. Democrats have always failed on that. But if you ever listen to AM radio, talk radio, I mean, Glenn yeah. Beck is not a fucking empire. Uh, you know, he found his niche or empire in, like, talk radio. Uh, Rush right. Limbaugh, that's the guy I'm thinking yes. of. You know, like, people like that. And, like, we're just doing the same thing that Rush was doing. I mean, not politically speaking, but it's just talk Technologically, radio. Technologically, yeah, yeah we're absolutely. Just, it's just talk radio. It's just cool. Like it's the way – it's just a podcast. It's like it's an MP3 that you download to your phone, and it's my choice what to do with that time frame. Like mm-hmm. I can, and I, you can make any, any show you want. Absolutely, and I, I think the, the point you make about downloading it listen to and listening to it whenever you want is that people can replay it and say, oh, he said something that I really like. You know, do I want to vote for this guy? Let me listen to that again. You can't do that on live radio, and again, it's just another beautiful thing about what the medium represents. I think it's really wonderful. Also, let's say they made a really great point that whether it influences your voting or not just inspired you or you really like their wording. That file is yours. Save it. Keep it on your phone. You know, it's it's yours to listen to whenever you want. Like you said, most, if not all, podcasts have free options. So, yeah, it's it's really I like something. I they're free. It's I don't a, think I've ever seen a pay one yet. Yeah, no. I, don't I think have, but, they, but it disappeared. Yeah, I, I mean, well, but the thing is, no one's going to pay for it. It's just it's, I know. Isn't that it's worth weird? it to get it free? Yeah, it's, you know, it's the market speaking, I guess, but I'm no but economist. It, it's a tool though, right? Like I might not pay for a Nerdist podcast, but I will or but I will buy I'll go see a movie that uh any of those people if someone's talking about it, I'll buy sure. a book. Yep. I'll, yep. If it's a comedian I've learned about, I'll go see them live. Like I mean, I've definitely put my dollars through advertising or just yes. like bought books or found someone. Yeah, I've, I've even seen movies based off I heard the guest is on Nerdist or some podcast and then yeah, I'd see that and then mm-hmm. through marketing with you know, you could. It works. I mean, yeah, it definitely works. You got that many people's ears buzzing to you. What are you doing? Uh, sorry, sorry. I looked over. My cat was like hiding under the blankets. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? And she's like trying to hunt me. Uh, but so you're a little bit younger. So that's. I'm curious of uh, how does your your peers react to it? Because I was at work the other day, and I mentioned someone or someone podcasting, not mine, and someone a couple within my age range, within a couple of years, was like, what's a podcast? So I guess, okay, we're not there yet. Yeah. So, like, do most 20-something-year-olds listen to them? Not that you should know that all 20-year-olds do. Right. Well, I would say, yeah, it, it seems like definitely. Um, especially, I think, a, a college environment's really great. And, you know, I would say for anyone looking to advertise a podcast or, or find people, I really do think a lot of college students are interested in things like podcasts because even if it's comedic, they're – they are information, you know, whether it's thoughtful or, you know, comedic or tragic or whatever, it's it's information. And so I think those who are studying love that kind of stuff. And also, you know, college students who are always, you know, stressed about finals or whatever are always looking for distractions and things to just sort of soothe the ears and the mind. So, yeah, there are a lot of kids I know who definitely do. Um, my boss this summer, who's 50-something, knew what it was, but said, you know, it's really not my type of thing. I wouldn't listen to it. And I said, you know, no problem there. But I think definitely friends of mine um, are really enthused about it and think that's very interesting. And plenty of them who I've asked to come on 
have not had the question, you know, what am I, what am I doing? Is this a lot? And I, no, 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 it's not live. It's podcast. No one's asked me what it is. I think everyone in my school knows. Um, and like I said, yeah, I think a lot of kids, at least at Kenyon in particular, which is a very liberal school, love stuff like that because it's authentic. And frankly, I think that is kind of what younger people tend to look for, whether it's too idealistic or not. I think you just want authenticity. And then, of course, at least in my estimation of life, you get older and a bit more cynical and you're not expecting people to talk about their beliefs with honesty or, you know, yeah. courageously express themselves. So I think for sure podcasts can appeal to people my age for that reason. And that's why, at least with limited success, I've gotten people from my school to tune in or, you know, interested in it. Um, I even came home this summer and heard about a kid with whom I've lost touch, but a year older than me who just graduated college. And I heard that he was a huge fan of the show. And I said that, you know, I, that makes me smile. I, I had no idea who was listening, but it makes sense in a lot of ways. He's my age and yeah, you know, open-minded to stuff like that. So the answer oh, to your question so is definitely yes. I listened to the episode. You guys had a comedian on too. Yes. Uh, what comedian was that? He was great. He was, uh, well, he was younger. Are we talking about comedy and storytelling? I yes, think? that's the episode. Yeah, well, first of all, I'm I'm thrilled that you listened to it. That was a really popular one, um, and and it's also really cool that you say comedian. I'm gonna have to let him know because he's only a year older than me. He just graduated. Uh, his name is oh, Mike nice. Jess. Uh, yeah, and he wants to go into comedy too. So well, I think he explained Seinfeld in a way, and I never looked at it. Yeah, he he's a really interesting guy. He is very very smart. Um, he was in my improv troupe, and then of course he just graduated, so it's no longer true. But yeah, he's pursuing comedy. He analyzed it, I think, in a very you know, mindful way. Um, he's always thinking of jokes. He's a very funny guy. And yeah, I, I was really fortunate to have him on. I don't think I appreciated it at the time, but that episode has gotten a lot of traction. Um, and I'm glad that you of course listened to it, but yeah, that was a really, really fun episode. And I'd love to have him or other like-minded people back. Yeah, that was a, I, I liked, I liked that one a real lot. I thought he was, you guys did a really good job with that. Um, you know, it is funny too, when you have people on and then some time goes by, and then you see what they do. You're like, uh, like I had someone on here, and then a few months went by, and they just got hired to work for Late Night with uh, Stephen Colbert. Wow. And it was just completely not – and I was never, like, trying to catch someone early on their eyes. It was just more like, hey, you're funny on Twitter. Come be on my show. Because I don't care about that shit, but it's just more of, like, if someone seems cool and we talk online, I'll invite them on. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, wow. And she's going to come back on. Um I think I mentioned it last night, too, but that episode doesn't go up for a while either. But it was just like kind of funny. I was like, oh, my God, because that's always been in my head. I'm like, what if I ever have someone on here, and then like five years later, they're famous? And yeah, I mean. I always think about that. <laughs> no, I, it's perfectly reasonable and really exciting, too, I think, although they might not credit you for it. Oh, of course. I, know, I know. I, it's <laughs> it's just still cool to be like, what if someone becomes famous? And like, I got to spend an hour talking to that person. Well, right. And, and you know, I, I was – I, I, they might not credit you for it, but I would go on to say that a podcast is great practice for things like that. You know, for a comedian, for example, a podcast can be practiced for stand up in a lot of ways. It's not necessarily always joke, 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 but it's talking to someone, especially, yeah. you know, in your case, maybe someone you haven't met before. And that's how audiences work. It's just, I know I keep gushing about the medium, but it's so yeah. applicable to other things. You know, it is. And it's all about, if you're uh, in the creative field and it's all about getting your voice out there, like what's Precisely. that way? Yep. And I, I have had comedians out of all level. I've had like from open micers to like uh, career comedians, and it's just like everyone to do. It. And I like like one guy was just trying to promote a comedy album to come on, and he's like, "Yeah, I'll just talk about whatever." And then let me plug my album. 
and mm-hmm. gr- great guy, fucking awesome dude. And yeah. then, it was a career comedian, and it was just like, he's like, he's same thing. He's like, I love podcasts. I will do a thousand of these. Like, I don't have to go on a tour to get. I mean, maybe you need to, but like, his job was settled, and he had like a job. Uh, he was a warm up. He's actually now the warm up comic for the the nightly show, but he was doing Colbert at the time. Okay. And um, but it was just like. He's like, I can now promote my album to maybe even only if only 200 people hear this, I don't have to go anywhere. I spent an right. hour talking to you, and then I got my name out there. And like, you know, you look good to your agent, you look good to your manager. Like, you're getting your voice out there. You're you're in Google. You're you're improving your clout. I hope anyone listening to this is like, should I be a guest on one of their shows? And now you're like, well, now I have to be. Right. Got to improve think, my clout. <laughs> yeah, I I also think you know, to me, podcasting and advertisements have a really interesting relationship and my hesitation there is very deliberate i think some podcasts obviously that get big enough say you know let's make some revenue off this uh you know we're hosted by squarespace or whatever and obviously they mention the sponsor and i'm not a huge fan of it because i'm very aware of the advertisement but if someone comes on and talks about their book a bit but also offers something that's not just a you know a sales pitch i'm interested and i am willing to check out their book if they are a good conversationalist or funny or emotionally compelling in any way so i think you know at the risk of shooting myself in the foot podcasts are great means of advertising because they are very authentic and they're also the most long form of advertisement there is which is fascinating and it obviously works so yeah it's just really interesting to watch yeah i don't ever plan to have well i'll I'll take advertising i just don't ever expect it Mm -hmm. yeah no i personally if I had advertising, you know, advertising, excuse me, I will say, and I hope I stand firm on this principle, that I'd rather not do it over audio. I'd love the show to be just myself and whoever's in the room or on the air with me, you know, just our conversation. And, of course, you know, at the end, the outro and the intro in the beginning. Oh, yeah, yeah. But You don't I get just, too much product placement. Yeah, I just – something about it really irks me. So maybe, maybe I would put, you know, a little plug on my website or a banner ad or something like that. I'd consider it, but – it is nice in, on some level to be independent because you're in complete control, um, yeah. and I think you know it's really cool. Not having restrictions is pretty wonderful. Uh, so Absolutely. You're, you're in an improv troupe. Let's talk comedy, man. This sound, that's yes. awesome. Yes, man. <laughs> How um, did that happen? Yeah, well, I'm trying to think of where specifically it happened. I guess you know, going way back to childhood and other things, I've always been someone who I think has had a low filter. Uh, you know, certainly gets you in trouble in some cases, and gradually I've refined it and you know learned what not to say. But at the same time, I think as I've become more self-aware, and maybe I've been self-aware for a while, it's one thing to to not say things because you know they're impolite, and it's another you know kind of like the Baltimore riots episode. Sometimes you have to say things that you know will make people feel uncomfortable or weird, just sort of as a, a statement of independence you know that you're not afraid to say certain things and obviously it's one thing to say something you know that you know is going to offend people it's another thing to speak your mind with the conclusion that you may offend people i think those are two different things and Mm so yeah i've always been sort of an open mind open mouth sort of person and uh often it you know sort of manifested itself in comedy often very high energy but as time went on i recognized you know i just have kind of an improviser's mind and i don't think that means i'm good at improvising but i just i'm always you know flitting thoughts here and there i'm sure plenty of people would say you should get checked out for adhd i you know i could i don't want to and i, really... I already got diagnosed <laughs> i have it it's fine <laughs> yeah no exactly and i think you know plenty of people do knowing have... you have it and not knowing you have it makes it, there's not much of a difference right exactly <laughs> um and so yeah let's see in high school i 
I took drama classes. I didn't, for some reason, join the improv troupe there, but we did Your high school had an improv troupe? Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's we were, fucking awesome. Yeah. We were very lucky. Um, and, you know, if we talk for 10 minutes about Wells, you would very quickly learn how much privilege we had. And I, you know, as time goes on, I'm more aware of it. But yeah, we, we had an improv troupe. I wasn't in it, but I knew people who were on it and did improv with them in acting classes and elsewhere. So yeah, it was very interesting. And then got to college and I remember so many different emotions on that first week thinking, ah, you know, what am I going to do here? I hear from people, you got to join groups. So, okay, I'm going to join a group. What do I want to do? Played lacrosse in high school, didn't really like it. It's definitely not my thing. There's obviously like the lax bro stereotype. That's not me. That's for some other people. Great. So I don't think I want to do that. I'm going to keep running, but probably on my own. I, I like comedy. Should I, uh, you know, I enjoyed improv in high school. Why don't I find an improv troupe? I think there is one here. And I asked around, you know, I went to the drama meeting for classes before we signed up, and they said, yeah, uh, improv, we, we don't really do that. Um, you know, we're, we're more by the book, focusing on, you know, acting skills. And I said, okay. And then there was a tour with an upperclassman, uh, you know, sort of guiding us around, telling us about Kenyon. And I asked him, you know, is there, is there an improv troupe here? And he said, yeah, there's the, the Fools on the Hill. Uh, most people don't make their auditions. And I said, uh, okay. Um, and in my mind, I was kind of discouraged, but I said, you know, I, I'm still interested, obviously. I'm going to go. So I went and auditioned about, you know, 50 or so other people. And it was a very interesting process. One, because I didn't know that I was going to make it. Obviously, I later did. But, yeah, I, I got to say, I think improv is very interesting in that you see what some people think improv is. And a lot of people, you know, sort of appear to believe that it's verbal, you know, just vomiting. You know, whatever comes to your mind, throw it out there. And it's, it's not. In fact, I'd say it's like 90% listening. Some of the best scenes I have watched have been just excellent listeners and then you know one person who's great at throwing ideas out there but like you said yes and it's just such a beautiful principle not only in improv i would say in life if you can agree with someone and build on their ideas you know that's how things like the iphone are eventually invented and i i don't think i'm crazy in saying that but yeah so i i auditioned um i loved my first audition i remember you know really making them laugh and i was pretty confident and then later that night got a call back and there were probably 14 or so of us, uh, including that guy that you heard on my podcast, Mike Jest, uh, he and I made it. Um, and so we were called back and I remember at the callback feeling like I did not do well. Um, I was definitely nervous. I was aware, you know, of the fact that it was going to happen. And then, uh, there's a fun <laughs> ritual in which, uh, I was in my bedroom, you know, on what this first or so week of college. And also thank you for <laughs> the patience in listening to the story. Um, I was like playing some computer game and a friend or a new friend was watching me play it and she was sitting on my bed and I was playing this computer game and out of nowhere there's a knock on the door and these people come in and I vaguely recognize them maybe they were at the audition were they auditioning me I think yeah okay sure they were wearing you know <laughs> weird weird masks and other kinds of things and said you know get up is that a towel put that over your head put your shoes on let's go and I was like oh, oh, um okay and they walked me out of the room I remember walking out into the hall, sort of peering under this towel over my head. Everyone in my hall, these are people that I just met like weeks earlier getting to school, were looking at me. And I was like, oh, my God, like, did they all know? And I was walking out. And pretty soon I knew, like, okay, these are the people from the callback. I'm guessing I made it. Or this is like a very cruel final trial. But, yeah, I remember, you know, so I had the towel over my head. They were yelling at me saying, you know, expletives and other things that I'd rather not repeat. But it's nothing horrible. They were just telling me to shut up. Um, and we got downstairs, we were from like, you know, the second floor. So I walked downstairs, still have this towel over my head and there's a car and they say, you know, get the fuck in. 
I got into the car um, and, you know, sat down. And I don't know if the other person was beside me yet, but eventually myself, uh, the other girl in my class, Hannah, and then this other guy, Mike, were all in the car. Uh, we were sort of – they were giggling. And the funny thing is I knew exactly what was happening. And for some reason the thought that I was physically being kidnapped but, you know, socially being welcomed into the group – didn't quite sync up. And so I remember like shivering and like an adrenaline rush hit me and I wasn't actually panicked, but my body thought something horrible. Yeah, yeah, of course. So it just sort of set in. Um, and you know, the car started driving around and eventually we drove to someone's house. Um, and I remember feeling all the twists and turns in the road and just feeling really unsure. Um, and of course, all the while they're yelling at us. And then the best part, um, that I can't take credit for this. And this is sort of, you know, a trade secret or whatever, but the group, after playing screamo music, by the way, the entire car ride yelling at us, turned it to James Taylor's Carolina on my mind. They lowered the windows. They were completely silent. This beautiful song's playing, and the wind is rolling into the car. Um, you know, they do that for about 30 seconds. And then out of nowhere, the windows come up. The screamo music comes back on. They resume yelling at us. Um, and then we got to someone's house. Uh, you know, we were sitting in the basement for a while, and they said, yeah, you can come up now. And we were in the group. Um, so there's the introduction story. But I, have I didn't to think it would have such frat behavior. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's interesting. It was just, is yeah. Is that was, everywhere or is that just Kenyon? Uh, that's a good question. I don't know about most improv groups. I do think, you know, knowing what I know about improv, I would suspect if there's any group on a campus or, you know, in society that's willing to sort of be daring, I suspect it is an improv troupe because yeah. – you know, just by its nature of, you know, sort of performing and putting yourself out there and, of course, putting yourself out there without a script, I think, you know, it, it attracts, by its nature, some very creative but, yeah, really daring people. Um, Do you remember what Screamo artist was in the background? I don't. Because, see, the thing, I don't I don't listen to Screamo music, so I had no yeah. idea who it was. Um, and in recent years, we, you know, since I'm now going to be a senior, we've auditioned other people, and I've been a part of two of those auditions, so we've done it twice, and I was in charge of making those CDs. And, you know, just the lyrics of these Screamo songs make no sense. You know, blood is every other word. And it's just, it is kind of comical. Um, and, you know, if kids laugh in the back, we yell at them to shut up. And, you know, it's it's interesting because it, you're right, it is hazing in many ways. At the same time, I think improv people are both very clever and very quick to assess a situation. And so, you know, the people... Yeah, I mean, it wasn't efficient. like uh, sodomy or anything. Right, no, it's definitely not. And so people, you know, are very quickly aware, this is a joke. If anything, you're spoofing what is, like you said, frat behavior. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that's how I got into the group. But, you know, so as not to dominate your show... Do you no, have no, please, about... please do always talk more than <laughs> me because people have heard me talk enough on here. If they okay. listen to... Oh, hopefully well, people have listened more than one. Do you have any questions about, you know, after I got into the group, what it's been like or what our shows are like or anything like that? Because, again, I can talk about that, too. Yeah, I'd love to hear more about, about it. Um, I, it's definitely something that I've always wanted to do. I just never get around to signing up. Yeah. But I'm um, at that point in my life. By the time I've discovered it, it's like I'd have to pay to do it. Right, right, right. Um, so I'm trying to think of where to start. I guess, yeah, so we practice three, you know, three times a week, and we have a show – about once a month, maybe a little bit over that. Um, I actually, I always Photoshop the posters for the shows. Um, you know, if anyone, if you, for example, want to see some of these Photoshops, I really, I, I get a kick out of them and I'll send them to you later. Um, and any listeners, you know, that are listening right now that want to see them, you know, reach out to me. I'll gladly show. I'm really proud of some of these Photoshops. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. So our first show of the year is a game show, you know, improv games like, 
the bell game. So, you know, two people are talking, someone else off stage says ding, and you have to change your last line. And they'll, you know, they'll say it three or four times, and you'll keep changing what you say. And the audience loves that. It's very gimmicky. Um, I'm trying to think of other, yeah, and just other games. There's one called Evil Twin. So, you know, you and I might be talking, but you have someone standing behind you. And sometimes they'll tap you on the shoulder and say something for you. And I, you know, I'm on a date or whatever with you. And to me, you just said that crazy thing. And you have to justify why you just said that you want to bury my father after our date's over. <laughs> and you know, I'm clearly very concerned. And you say, oh, no, 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 uh, bury him in uh, kisses. I want, you know, I just, I love your dad, you know, John. He's just such a sweet guy. And you have to justify it. And, of course, the audience loves that. Um, you know, other improv games like that, there's one called in and out where two people are on stage, one leaves to go get something, a third person comes on. Usually there's sort of a tension between the person off stage and the person that just came on. And, you know, again, one person leaves, the person comes back, and eventually you have the two people clash. And it's, oh, Marie, uh, I thought you and, and Tom had broken up. Funny to see you here. I'm just I'm, I'm just doing his laundry. What do you, and, you know, they have a fight or whatever. And it's very interesting to, to watch that uh, go on. Um, yeah, and then we get into later practices after that first show, which is on parents' weekend, so all the parents get to see the kids. Um, and yeah, there, I will say one thing I'm really proud of, especially given that it's a small school, we have like 16, 1,700 students. Um, there's just a great attendance at these shows. Like usually it's packed. Uh, my first parents' weekend was like, including parents, 200, 200 oh plus my God. people. Yeah, and it was, you know, it's not a super big room, so it felt packed. And I remember feeling, first of all, I'm not going to do well in this show. I know I'm going to mess something up. But at the same time, I kind of feel like a superstar. And it was just such a great feeling. I remember a senior came out before we even entered the room and said, guys, yeah, I think now's a good time to start. Like, I've never seen that this packed. And I was like, I've never performed an improv show in my life. And that's a great first thing to hear before yeah, you go out awful. on stage. Um, but, yeah, so it's, it's usually very well attended. Um, and, of course, again, a college is a really interesting environment because, like, Kenyon being, you know, I think known by those who know it as, as a pretty prestigious school, you know, pretty academically sound. You've got a lot of kids who study a lot and are pretty, you know, either well-read or intelligent, but I also don't think those are synonyms. And then a lot of parents who are probably pretty smart people too, which makes for a really great audience. You can make references to, you know, historical events. You can make references to politics and people will get it. You don't have to pander, which is a blessing for comedians because you have, you know, that much more material to talk about. Um, you know, and like, I remember there was one scene I had, it's actually up on YouTube in which I referenced Washington crossing the Delaware. Um, and you know, I remember people laughed because my partner, uh, pretended like she didn't know what that was and said, yeah, you know, he had to make that bridge for, you know, whatever. And didn't reference, <laughs> you know, that he was crossing. Yeah. in a river, um, it was just a hilarious scene. But, um, after, the game show, we like to call it, we move on to long-form improv, which is my favorite. We do what's called a Herald, uh, which was actually referenced by Mike in that podcast that you listened to. And the Seinfeld uh, episode now. <laughs> yep. Exactly, yeah. So, you know, we do The Fools, The Fools on the Hill is the name of the group. We do a variation on it. We don't do games in between, but we do three separate story beats. So, you know, first we start with a monologue. You know, I'd say, Chris, uh, you know, give me, just throw out a word. And you say, okay, uh, bookshelf. And I'd go, yeah, all right. So when I think of bookshelf, uh, let's see. When I think of bookshelf, I think of moving into my second house. I remember my dad broke a bookshelf. Uh, he was so mad. And, you know, you just tell a quick story, and then it's it. And the people on stage with you get ideas from that. And say, okay, you know, what about a scene which is like an inexplicably angry father? Like, you know, you give him a gift, he's mad. You, you celebrate Christmas, he's mad. 
you hug him, you take him to a baseball game, he's mad all the time. Like, that's just that character. I got that idea. And you take various ideas from the monologue. And so two people will go on a scene and just start. And it's, you know, I wish I could watch more of our shows rather than participate because it's a beautiful thing. And I, whether it's good or bad improv, just people making a world together is fascinating. And it's what I love about improv. It's one thing, in addition to podcasting, that I want to take with me after college. You know, like you said, you have to pay for some classes. So I don't know if I'll be doing it right away. But, yeah, it's it's a blast. And so in this Herald that we do, first two people will come on. They'll set a scene. Someone else will come off and swipe them. So literally just walk a circle around them. They'll go off. You know, let's say I've just swiped. Someone else will come on with me. We do a completely different world, again, inspired by that monologue. And then a third pair will come out. And, you know, obviously, if you don't have six people, you'll figure out the numbers. Um, and the beautiful thing is, and this is going to touch on some of the stuff we love about John Oliver, callbacks are a great thing. So we've set three different worlds that, you know, now, and then we'll go back to the first and do a second scene there. You know, what's, what's changed since that happened? Uh, and often the best thing is callbacks. Um, there was one beautiful Herald that we did. Uh, this is also on YouTube. People, you know, want to reach out to me and, and find this scene in which I was doing a scene for a drug rehabilitation camp or something, you know, just kids doing community service. And I was a really goody two shoes type of person, didn't want to do drugs. Um, and eventually to fit in, I said, you know, yeah, I definitely do want to do drugs. And so that led to something. Meanwhile, in a separate world, and this is one of my favorite worlds to watch, you know, this set of scenes, Mike, who you heard, uh, and our freshman that year, this past year, Lindsay, were in a scene where they were she was pregnant with a child and they were going to raise the child to be a Satanist. So they were paint, painting the child's room black. They were saying all these really messed up things and just so excited about a child that was going to be a boy. And if it was a girl, no, let's not talk about it, but it's going to be a boy. And they like kept making these lines that were out there and weird, but they were really excited about it. And so in this final scene, in my scene, I agreed to do drugs. I don't really know what drug I was doing. They strapped me into a chair and I started having second thoughts, and I started panicking. And I said something to the effect of, like, oh, I don't want to do this, I don't want to do this. Uh, guys, I think a Satanist couple somewhere is really enjoying this. And immediately, Mike swiped the scene off, and he came on with Lindsay, you know, his wife who's pregnant with their baby. And they were doing some task, and he pauses and goes, hey, did you, did you feel that just now? And she goes, yeah, definitely. And then they kept going, and the audience loved it. And it was just such a beautiful, you know, connecting thread um, from these ideally disparate worlds, but it's just, it's such a fun game to play. And by that, I mean improv because the audience has to listen to enjoy it. And that's great. And, you know, in a lot of ways it's like podcasts and we have to be listening to each other. You know, you have to remember names of characters. You have to remember interesting things they did to make fun callbacks. Um, I mean, some of the most fun callbacks are just linguistic things. If you see someone has, like a vocal pattern as a character where they say like, um, but also, and like, you just throw that in there as like, you're mocking them or in a different scene without that character, even participating, you use that line. It's just, it's a lot of fun. Um, and it's something frankly that as a group we should experiment with more. Um, I mean, you know, we do all these cool exercises and practice that I absolutely love. We play one word story, which is exactly what it sounds like. You know, you, you sit in a room, uh, or a circle, I should say, and one by one, you each give a word, and that creates a story. It requires a lot of listening and focus, and, uh, you know, you definitely all have to be on the same wavelength, but it's, you know, sorry to keep overusing this word, but beautiful when you yeah. pull it off. <laughs> um, I mean, I even did that on a road trip 
back from Kenyan. You know, what did I say? 12 hours. I, I drove yeah. 12 hours back from Ohio with two kids that are in my class that are not in improv groups. They don't do that. Uh, one of them perform. No, both perform. So, you know, they know what it's like. And I said, hey, guys, if I explain, you know, this, this game to you to pass the time, would you be interested in playing? And you're like, yeah, for sure. And we played so many rounds of one word story with three people. It was just a blast. And I think that's one of the reasons in one of the reasons, excuse me, improv is so great is that it's in many ways intuitive. Most people remember what it's like to be a child, just sort of playing, making things up. Does it have to make sense? No. Do you enjoy it? That's all you need to worry about. And it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's one of the reasons, among others, as I approach the end of my college career, I can't call myself old in front of you, but older, <laughs> um, that I am going to miss. Um, you learn a lot about people. You learn where people's minds go. You also see, you know, just different skills, uh, you know, to generalize in our group, the guys don't tend to be the best listeners. Um, I'm sure there are sociological reasons for that. Maybe it's just me, you know, uh, projecting something that isn't really there, but the girls tend to be great listeners are also good with ideas, you know, making a world, but they can hear what you said and agree with you 200%, you know, and they will make sure that that thing happens. If you say, yeah, but grandma, you know, we don't have any dogs anymore. And grandma says, oh, no, we do. And, you know, it's just it's beautiful to see good listening happen. Um, although I did just give an example of someone saying no to us to an earlier statement, which is not good improv. But, yeah, I, you know, again, I, I sense myself sort of rambling. So you did pull me into the trap of going into the weeds. But please, if you will, uh, do you have any, uh, you know, questions about improv or really questions about anything i want you to test me here because oh no that was great um, it'll be good it's funny though because when you get older uh, maybe it's not older i hate when people say it. when you get older i get varying how your life goes it's just there's less time for silliness uh varying on your profession or life so it's fun have you are you gonna ever make out the trip to go to chicago and see like io or second city i don't know <sighs> that's probably not very close to where you are Actually, so it's not too far. You you make a very good estimation. It's about a nine hour drive, or maybe yeah, a little far bit less shit. than that. But like yeah. you know, you're in college. You can make that excuse. Right, for sure. Um, and like you know, a week of course, off, like don't go home, go to Chicago. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I actually I spend quite a bit of time uh, sticking around the area. Uh, you know, we have a two week spring break, and every year, uh, for various reasons, partially just convenience, I've, I've stuck around. You know, it's kind of nice. There's no one. Yeah, on I always did that. Like, cause I would um, like I was an RA, so I would like. Yep find reasons to stay or and it's, yeah dude being at college when you're not in class and have nothing to do except hang out with whoever's there is the most fun i've ever had in college like yes. a week off i went to school in rural vermont and we were just okay. like oh my god it's probably a, you know woodsy beautiful just hang yep just, yeah oh my god it's the best i've so, never had so much fun <laughs> yeah and so i could totally find the time to go i mean it's also interesting because I think forward to a year, you know, if you ever have me back, maybe I'll be in a different stage, but I am in the process of, you know, where do I want to live? What do I want to do? I think the latter question is answered with broadcasting. I think it's what I want to do. I don't think I'm nearly good enough yet, but I know that I enjoy it. And then I think, okay, if I know that, do I know then where I want to live? Well, Chicago's got some great broadcasting areas and even yeah. if you start small. <laughs> So and improv, and I mean, like the precisely the yeah. birth of improv. You know, Del Close, like that's Second right. City is the, the the birth the birth of long form improv. Exactly. So to answer your question, one, I should definitely make a trip there this year. In fact, you know, Mike, that guy that we keep referencing, who I'm sure would love to be on your show. Um, I, I was going to actually... ask you when we ended if he'd be interested. I'm like, yeah, I should mention it to him. I, th I think he yeah. definitely would. Um, he's in Chicago. You know, as are many other you know kids from Kenyan and other friends that I have. 
Um, so one, I should visit, and two, it is definitely a candidate for a place that I may live post-grad. If not, I will definitely visit. But yeah, I mean, I have not, to answer your earlier question, uh, made many trips to see Second City. Um, but yeah, improv is just, it's so much fun to be a part We've of. Done right, watch. Yeah. There is bad improv. Yes. No, that's a very well. It's like stand-up, right? Point. Like, it, I think it takes a while for someone to get good at it, and that's not fun to watch. Right. But when it's, I went to the Second City touring show, and it was, oh my god, it was so much fun. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was so fun. One testament, though, to bad improv, which harkens back to auditions we've had, and it's one thing, you know, in about a month actually, we will be auditioning for for my final year and for the next sort of group of fools on the hill. You see these people come in, and like you said, it's not all good. In fact, a lot of it is is bad. Although I hesitate to shame them or you know chastise, but yeah, it's it's not refined, and it is cringeworthy to watch bad improv. But at the same time, the funny thing about an audition is that they're doing it to please you, and it's such a bizarre, very you know megalomaniac you know dip, uh, what's the word uh, dictator type phenomena where you just you feel like you have so much control over the situation because these people are trying so hard to please you. And at the end of the day, you're going to say, ah, let's, let's not bring that person back. But at the same time, you know, bad improv, yeah, you, you're still sort of forced to laugh because of how bad it is, which is the funny thing. And then good improv, you know, you can't help but crack a smile and laugh. It's just, it is an interesting spectrum. I don't think I've ever frowned at bad improv. I have been pretty bothered or offended by bad stand-up. Um, but you're absolutely yeah. right. It's not all good, and certainly, you know, it's it's like a pyramid. There's a ton of people at the bottom level, and as you go up, it gets less and less abundant, you know, the talent that is. Yeah, I, I think sometimes people uh, confuse uh, commentary for uh, racism and homophobia and bad yes. jokes. <laughs> yes. Like, no. I, I think you guys actually made that point. It's like, oh, I just said something really offensive shit, but it's comedy and it's satire. I'm like, yeah, but you actually believe that. Right, and yeah. And it's hard to get away. Like, Colbert did it because, well, he wasn't offensive, but he he was the – I mean, it's Colbert. He came from Second City, and he was a genius, and he's, yeah. he was great at what he did. No, I, I completely agree. I think – it is a really interesting phenomenon to talk about, and you're right. We, we mentioned in our, our episode, I'd gladly come back to it. The idea of comedy as satire is fantastic. Um, another thing, you know, to put myself out there and talk about what I believe, I think it's really important to be uncomfortable sometimes. In fact, I would say as much as you can pursue it, pursue discomfort. And most people would say, ah, but I don't want to be uncomfortable. And I would say to those people, that's just the point. Is it fun to work out? No, but if you do it long enough, you get results. You know, is it fun to ask a ton of people out on dates and get rejected. No, but eventually, you know, you build up self-confidence. And similarly, with comedy that, you know, makes you think about race critically and why did I laugh at that joke? That's really offensive. Most people that are, you know, thinking and consuming comedy like that, I hope, and I know I'm an idealist, go home and say, okay, I just laughed at something really offensive. What does that say about, about me? Do I believe that? And I think... A lot of people believe comedy to be just you know, happy and lighthearted. I think comedy is one of the few things that can, and I won't say always will, but can have great sociological or psychological results in dealing with really messed up stuff. Um, obviously, there are things that shouldn't be touched, but there are female comics who make rape jokes, which frankly offends me as a man, but they have the right to do that. And I think, yeah, comedy just, again, to touch back to podcasts, comedy like podcasts is really just so open to really whatever you want to make it. And I think 
you know, that's one thing I wish I saw more people explore. I don't think people try comedy out enough. I wish there were more street comics, you know, people just on the street, just telling jokes. Um, Cause like the interesting thing is that's, you know, to go with that idea, that's where I think people could use it. Everyone's had the sad walk home from work. Everyone's been bored. Everyone can't wait to put in their earbuds and listen to whatever to distract themselves. What if we had more entertainment on the street? People who aren't looking to be paid, people who are just there to entertain you, make a witty comment. And I think it can be done. I don't think we've seen it really done, but I think it absolutely can be. And obviously it's different when you force yourself to go to a comedy show because you have sort of a self-selective bias there. The people that are want to, you know, want to be be entertained come to the show or to laugh exactly no uh, you know you're absolutely right people are just you know chemically or otherwise in a state of yeah. readiness to, i don't like know. comedy clubs like i'm such like i, I go for a comedian at like a small mm -hmm. theater mostly yeah no or, like I, a very rarely a club if it has to be someone i like well no a venue i'll do a venue i won't go to a comedy club because it's a bar that has comedy i like a, yes i like to go see a com a comedian i know like, yeah, no, that they do, makes like, sense. And I tend, to, I guess, like I don't know, if people still call it alt comedy, but a lot of the people like at midnight perform in venues around here, which is great. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about like Netflix specials of you uh, know, various? I actually don't like to watch stand-up specials, oddly enough, but I'm so happy that Netflix is just per giving a great uh, platform for stand-up. Like uh -huh. you don't see it on TV like you used to, and yeah, and like before my time, it was everywhere. But like, I just love. I love Netflix as a whole, especially after they announced that they're giving anyone um, maternity leave for a full year for mothers and father paid. Mm -hmm. And uh, especially because, you know, I saw that piece on John Oliver about maternity leave and it really bummed me out. Yeah. <laughs> and, no, I... and then Netflix did that. I was like, all right, now I don't feel so bad about paying for it. And I think they uh, I think they're great. They, they've, and they've given um, people who aren't like just the, the top dogs of their game yes. uh, specials yes. like this. Like, I think Jim Jeffers had one. Jen Kirkman yep. was really good. Yeah, Jen Kirkman. Yep, I agree. I, I like her a lot. And then, yeah. like, uh, so they, they – and they my, I think Mike Kaplan's – I don't think it's a Netflix, but they it's on there. Yeah, uh, have you heard John Mulaney? Because I know I mentioned Mike just earlier. John oh, yeah, Mulaney. Yeah, I never favorites. watched his – I like him, but I never watched his stand-up. Okay. I, I like stand-up live. I just don't like to watch it on TV, oddly enough. Yeah. No, that makes sense. But I, I like him that. a lot. He's, he's really – his show is terrible, but – not probably his fault. I mean, I don't know. I never made a TV show. Yeah, no, I haven't seen it. It was terrible. <laughs> it was just really awful. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. Yeah, he'll be the first to admit it. But, you know, we're in a new age where you can make something that fails and then continue right. on. Because, like, well, yeah. I got 35 other mediums to work at. Yeah, exactly. I love him on, like, You Made It Weird and stuff. Yes. He's yeah. great. Oh, awesome. And, well, it's, almost, it's actually, I actually have to start. I have to go to bed. <laughs> okay. Uh, not yet. In a, in a bit. Surely sounds good. Yeah. yeah. But uh, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, where can people find you online? Absolutely. So strideandsaunter.com is the home of the podcast. You can also find it on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you want to reach out to us, our email is strideandsaunter at gmail.com. And you can find us on Twitter or Facebook. And we'd love to chat with you there, hear what you think, and uh, connect. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. And um, if you um, – seriously, please come back anytime. This was a blast. It's, it's, I have to go to the dentist early in the morning, so I'm just like <laughs> – No, no, no. Please, Chris, one, you don't have to apologize. You're hosting me. And two, before I forget or, or you know, uh, deprive myself of the chance, thank you for having me on. It's like you said, it is a blast, and you also gave me ample chances to express myself, and I worry that it wasn't enough of a conversation. But I – Thoroughly enjoyed it, so thank no, you. I, I prefer when the guest actually talks more, believe it or not. <laughs> okay, sounds That's good. It. Happy uh, to please. I'll talk to you soon. Have a good rest yeah, of the night. Yeah, sounds good. You too. Bye.